Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It's a special show today. Mark and I have a guest on the show, and y'all should be pretty excited about it. Yeah, we're going to have Dr. Kelly Victory back on because COVID is still around. So you got to stick around and learn what's going on and what's the latest variant. Stick around. And welcome back to Snack Little, Talk a Little. I'm Mark. And I'm Jana. Now, Jana, you mentioned that we have a lot of stuff going on with, of course... Ah, still. Still. <laughs> Unbelievable. And I'm sure you have questions. It's been a couple of months and, and yeah. you know, you'd have thought that, like, things... There wouldn't be much to talk about anymore, you but know, unfortunately... It's supposed to die off and all that, but it seems there's so much stuff, you know... It's still making the news. It's so ridiculous. And so let's find out what we need to be worried about exactly. and what we don't. Well, our guest today, let me just read a little bit of her bio here because uh, uh, we don't do this as often to read her bio and and because we already know her. We've known her yep. for a while now yep. and, and, and we respect her and everything. And, and She's we wanna... qualified to talk about exactly. this. Exactly. So let me, let me read a little bit. I'm actually going to read this directly off of a, a page here. It says... Uh, Dr. Kelly Victory, MD, is a board-certified trauma and emergency specialist with over 15 years clinical experience. She served as chief medical officer for whole health management, delivering on-site healthcare services for Fortune 500 companies. She holds a BS from uh, Duke University and her MD from the University of North Carolina. She's worked closely with officials from Homeland Security, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, that's FEMA, and multiple branches of the military. And currently, through this whole thing, she is actually part of a group of people that are trying to bring the truth to the masses on a website called earlycovidcare.org. And we have her on the phone right now. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Kelly Victory. Hi, Kelly. Thanks. Hey, <laughs> thanks for having me as always. We're oh. so glad to have you on. Uh, and, and, you know, it's so hard to try to get an update on everything that's happening with the coronavirus and everything else that's going on. What can you tell us about uh, the current thing? Where we are, two and a half years later, and you'd have thought that it would be you know, nothing to talk about at this point, but heck. <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel like I'm, you know, sort of living in Groundhog Day here. It just right. it, uh, keeps, we keep circling back and there are areas of the country that you're undoubtedly aware are actually talking about reinstituting mask mandates and, you know, oh, lockdowns yeah. and these sorts here of in, things. Here in Los Angeles area. Yes, exactly. So here's here's the reality. Um, we've learned an awful lot about this uh, virus in the past two and a half years. Uh, and I will tell you, it is behaving in precisely the way that we would expect a virus to behave as it mutates, meaning it is becoming progressively more contagious, number one, mm -hmm. and number two, less lethal, less severe. It causes less severe illness. That is the nature of viral mutations with extraordinarily rare exception. Um, so we went from the original Wuhan strain, then to Delta, then to Omicron, and now they're doing this silliness of subclassifying Omicron mutations into now we're at BA4 and BA.5 and on and on. So the reality is the virus, as expected, is mutating. 
And as I said, it is becoming more contagious. And therefore, you can have the banty roosters running around saying, oh, my gosh, cases are up. Cases are up, right. um, which, which is absolutely doing. meaningless because case numbers are only important if they translate into people developing severe disease, needing to uh, be hospitalized or, God forbid, dying. And none of those things are happening. Is it that unusual? So I know in the beginning, me not being an expert, but suddenly we're all feeling more and more like experts because it's everywhere. It's on the news. It's on social media. But initially, I thought that a virus usually uh, dies down or disappears, at least for the summertime when things heat up. I mean, they're talking in LA that cases keep going up. Is this normal? And we just didn't used to talk about it incessantly? Yes. I mean, the reality is we are, number one, continuing this insanity of testing asymptomatic people. So there are areas of the country, particularly in California, uh, where they routinely test people as if this is somehow making some meaningful public health impact. So you're picking up asymptomatic cases on these PCR tests that are likely not even in infections at all. And furthermore, you're continuing to act as if we need to somehow track these case numbers, again, when the illness it's, pro it's producing is very, very mild. So this is craven fear-mongering at its finest. Um, yes, respiratory viruses normally tend to die down during the warmer summer months. This is a little different, however, and we can get into the details of this, because of the failure, the abject failure of the vaccines, and the fact that the vaccines not only don't prevent you from contracting COVID, but they actually have what we call negative efficacy, meaning the more vaccinated you are, the higher likelihood you have of contracting COVID <laughs> over and over and over oh, again. Man. Uh, oh so, this is so, so that, and, insane. And, and the data are and the data are irrefutable on this. This doesn't make me quote anti-vaccine. It makes me pro-data and pro-facts. And the facts are irrefutable. The people who are not getting sick again are people who are not vaccinated and who already had and recovered from COVID. The likelihood of them getting reinfected is relatively low, not impossible. Uh, as the virus mutates, they certainly can catch the newer variants as well. But the people who are absolutely getting reinfected three, four, and five times are those people who are heavily vaccinated and boosted because of this negative efficacy. And we can talk about why that is. Please talk about why that is, because that is one of the, the main questions we want to ask you, because we have a lot of listeners and friends, because our listeners apparently aren't our friends. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but we have a lot of people, when we said uh, we put out that you were going to be on the show, they wanted to know, why is it that these people who have been vaccinated and boosted and all that are still getting it over and over? Yeah. Well, it, and this is because of the nature of the way these particular vaccines were made. Unlike normal vaccines, these vaccines were made specifically targeting a singular spike protein that was on the outside of the original Wuhan strain of the virus. That single spike protein, and I predicted from the very beginning, and the data have proven me to be correct, that doing it that way was a bad idea because that single spike protein is the most likely portion of the virus 
to mutate. So early, early on, meaning in the first weeks and maybe month or two of the vaccination program, people who got vaccinated did have some protection against that Wuhan strain because they made antibodies to that spike protein. But that spike protein, as predicted, began to mutate. So people who were vaccinated are creating antibodies to a spike protein that no longer exists. That original Wuhan strain spike protein has been gone now for over a year. So people who are vaccinated, and if you go out and get vaccinated today with the COVID vaccines that are available, you will start to produce antibodies to a spike protein that doesn't exist anymore. Okay, you're you're mounting an army that is useless, 100 percent useless. Furthermore, and frighteningly, and this is why these people are getting infected over and over. Not only are you creating an army of useless antibodies, but the vaccine seems to have the effect of suppressing your ability to actually create and mount the correct antibody response. Wow. Preventing your body from doing what it would naturally do. Yeah, correct. So you have actually suppressed. So when you come in contact with the new, uh, you know, the, the new strain, the new foe, if you will, the new enemy, rather than producing, wow, that's foreign and producing antibodies, your body continues to crank out these this useless army that it's been told to produce by the mRNA. This is very, very scary, not only because it puts you at higher risk for contracting Uh, an infection with the new variants of of COVID, but because immune suppression overall has a lot of really bad side effects. Your immune system is your first line of defense, for example, against cancer. It's actually, you know, the immune system doesn't simply fight off viruses and bacteria and infections. The, The immune system also is responsible for recognizing that first neoplastic or cancerous cell. And fighting it off and killing it off before it can take hold and develop into full-blown cancer. So we are seeing, again, an uptick in lots of different things in the vaccinated population. Resurgence of cancers that had been in remission, for example, onset of wow. new cancers, outbreaks of shingles, all sorts of different infections that would otherwise have been suppressed are not being suppressed in people who are heavily vaccinated because of this suppression of their normal immune response. So if they didn't have that much of an immune compromised body, then potentially people who've been vaccinated do now. That's correct. That's wow. correct. And and so this is very, very scary. This is, you know, it's what happens. It's what we call in virology or, or vaccinology, uh, immune imprinting. In other words, you get the vaccine and then unfortunately you continue to you that's imprinted that's that's the virus that's the foe that you recognize and the only one that you recognize and so going forward you keep producing the wrong antibodies now people who got who contracted covid the good old-fashioned way and have natural immunity when they developed antibodies because they got covid they didn't just develop antibodies to that single spike protein they developed antibodies to the whole thing, to thousands of components of that virus. So when the virus then mutates, say they got the original Wuhan strain, 
somebody who got infected with the original Wuhan strain would develop antibodies to that one spike protein, but they'd also develop antibodies to about a thousand or 1500 other portions of the outside of that virus. So when the spike protein mutated, they were like, that's okay. We, we, we got antibodies to lots of other parts of that. So they now recognize Omicron and Delta and BA4 and BA5. They have a bunch of different antibodies out there, not just one sort of line of defense with against that spike protein that is, as I said, no longer existent. Well, let me ask you then, and this is, and I know you're not my doctor, although I wish you were, <laughs> but, <laughs> but in a general sense, so I, I contracted Omicron. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I didn't go get tested and all that because I don't trust the testing and I don't trust anything, <laughs> but I did for about three days, felt like the flu was coming on and I did lose my sense of smell, which I've never done whenever I've got the flu in my life. So I'm assuming that I got Omicron. Now, getting Omicron, does that have the same effect of since I have not been vaccinated or anything, is that in general, in a general sense, like I said, I'm not trying to nail you down to me specifically, but uh, my body will now produce, be, be able to fend off uh, multiple strains because of that. 100%. Absolutely. And, and I agree with you. It is likely given your symptomatology and uh, the fact that you lost your sense of smell, uh, which isn't specific necessarily to COVID, um, but it, it certainly is a harbinger that, that it likely was COVID because that was a pretty common uh, symptom for people. But yes, so you developed antibodies to literally thousands of different components on the outside of that virus. So if one or two or 10 of them mutate, you still will recognize lots of other parts. The analogy um, I've made in the past is if you recognize, if you're told when you get that vaccine, that COVID vaccine, you know, the, the foe is the guy, you know, the bad guy is the guy who's wearing the red baseball hat. Right. So when you see that guy with the red baseball hat, you know, you take him out because that's the foe. That's the spike protein. I remember so that analogy. Dutifully, you know, so dutifully, you know, you, you see that, that and you see the guy with the red baseball hat and you take him out. Well, the problem is all that guy has to do is ditch the red baseball hat in the bushes and your immune system isn't going to recognize them. Where somebody like you or like me who had COVID and recovered, I recognize the red baseball hat, but I also recognize the trousers and the shoes and the briefcase and the glasses and the jacket. So that guy would have to change, a, I mean, tremendous about, about how he looks, his outward appearance for me not to recognize him. The people who got vaccinated, they're a one-trick pony. The only thing they recognize is that red baseball hat. And once that mutated, once the virus shed that particular uh, component of its outward appearance, those people are sitting ducks and they are getting infected over and over again, as I said, because they don't have the correct antibodies and tragically they are continuing to produce antibodies to a red baseball hat. Wow. And that's Jana, by the way. <laughs> yes. Well, no, I mean, it's not true. getting too personal, but... It, it, it she she's vaccinated and because yep. her her job forced her to as well. Yep. And uh, so, so you not, you and you and th you, millions of people. I'm wondering right. when the lawsuits uh, you know, are going to start. I, yeah. I, well, the, and this is the question: When will the lawsuits start? I don't know if they as can though, because we because we had to sign something that said it's fine. I know that this is you know experimental, basically. Yes, it is. It is entirely experimental. There is not an FDA approved vaccine available in the United States for COVID. 
These remain experimental. And still to um, this day, know, right? As of today, it's still experimental, correct? That That is absolutely correct. Unbelievable. That is one. And they are now talking about, interestingly, uh, because of the failure of the vaccines to produce any type of meaningful immunity, um, the FDA wants to create, you know, the vaccine manufacturers are talking about creating uh, what we call a bivalent vaccine, including some components of the original Wuhan strain, uh, in other words, the, the existing vaccines, but incorporating now some components, uh, mRNA, that would cause you to create um, antibodies to the BA4 and BA5 uh, variants. So a couple of problems with that. Number one, as I said, the Wuhan strain has been gone for over a year now. Yes. So why the heck would you want to produce antibodies to that? And frankly, by the time this vaccine comes out in the fall, BA4 and BA5 will be gone. Maybe right. so we are Centaurus, you know, which I've read about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're going to continue to to fight last year's war. Um, you know, you, you're constantly chasing your tail. This is was a in a absolutely defies logic given the mild mild nature of the illness that's being caused anyway we would be better off to let people frankly i'm not suggesting people purposely get infected but let's face it uh these studies show estimate that for children and i mean people under the age of 18 that upwards of 85 percent of them have already had and recovered from covid so they have natural immunity doesn't mean that they can't then get infected with some new variant, but they have at least partial immunity to it and should not, you know, wouldn't be expected to get significantly ill. So furthermore, the FDA, when asked, uh, you know, how long would it take to get this new bivalent vaccine to market? They said, well, as long as we don't have to produce any safety data, we can easily get it out in a few months. Unbelievable. Let's, well, re I hope let's that's repeat a that. Problematic to people. <laughs> uh, it it you, won't you know, be. That's the thing. It won't be. It's not now. No, no safety data, you guys. How that's, do you feel about that? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's that's correct. And and again, this you know, I absolutely eschew any um, you know statement that that I am somehow anti-vaccine. I'm extraordinarily pro-vaccine. I've uh, written prolifically about. Spent much of my career speaking about the importance of vaccination programs. But there is a reason why the average vaccine takes six to eight years to come to market if it ever comes to market at all. Uh, making vaccines is tricky business. The human immune system is the last great frontier of medicine. Uh, it's very complex and doesn't always respond in the way that you think that it will. And that's why it takes years and years of looking to see what are the long-term impacts. Not only is, is this shot effective at stopping someone from contracting whatever it is we want them uh, to be immune to, but what are the long-term impacts on things like fertility, autoimmune disease, neurologic development, and on and on. And that data simply does not exist for these COVID vaccines and the information that we do have, the uh, the mounting number of cases of severe adverse events is quite alarming. And any other vaccine would have been pulled from the market months and months ago on that basis. And I want to, sorry, go ahead. I, I'm just saying that I am sitting here this entire interview so far shaking my head. I am going to get a neck ache <laughs> yeah, because I'm sitting here whiplash. shaking my head going, I just can't believe this is happening this way. Go ahead, Jana. So I just want to make sure that we hit this home for our listeners. You guys, 
a lot of times with a vaccine, you do have people that sign up. If I'm it, correct me if, if I'm wrong, Dr. Victory, but people will sign up at some point because they are agreeing to be one of the people that is um, they're testing the vaccine. Right, on. The clinical trial. But I don't think that everybody understands that's pretty much all of us who've gotten the vaccine. And with this new one, the bivalent uh, COVID-19 shot, it's it's everybody. Absolutely. It's everybody. And I and it does seem like it's been very, uh, I think you have said before, Dr. Victory, sleight of hand. People don't seem to understand or they're okay with it, that we're all guinea pigs. Anybody who gets it, these vaccines. Th that is correct. You are a subject in an ongoing clinical trial. Unbelievable. Uh, and unless you signed up knowing that, then you did not give true informed consent. Informed consent is the most fundamental basic tenet of the good practice of medicine. I am obligated to discuss with a patient the pros and cons of any particular uh, intervention, whether it's an antibiotic, a chemotherapy regimen, a surgical intervention, whatever it is, and to help that patient understand the risk benefit potential. These vaccines are entirely experimental for anyone to say to you, they are quote, safe and effective, is absolutely an untruth. Number one, they are not effective at all in doing the thing they were proposed to do, which was to stop you from contracting COVID. You will remember they moved again, as I said, sleight of hand. It originally was these vaccines are 96, 97% effective in preventing you from contracting COVID. Right. Then they said, well, they will be if you get the booster. If you get the booster, then it'll be 96, 97%. Then they said, all of a sudden changed it. It had nothing to do with not contracting COVID. It was, it will prevent severe illness. Okay. So now we've totally moved the endpoint. Now they don't even pretend that it will be effective in stopping you from contracting it or stopping you from spreading it. And even the vaccine manufacturers don't refute that. They know. So then they said it will prevent you from getting severe illness. Well, at some point, now that it has mutated to Omicron, BA4, no one's getting severely ill. It doesn't cause severe illness. So what exactly are you trying to prevent with your vaccine? Prevent severe illness? This doesn't cause severe illness. Right. Okay? Furthermore, then you look at children who have absolutely such a de minimis risk and always did of having severe illness, even back during the Delta and original Wuhan strains, children were at essentially a risk of zero unless they had severe underlying illness. There's zero justification for injecting them with an experimental vaccine. There isn't a lick of scientific data indicating that you are protecting them from anything. So it's 100% risk and 0% benefit. And that is malpractice. There, that is not justifiable. I am obligated as a physician to help my patients and their, their parents understand this risk benefit. Without the risk benefit calculation, there, there's nothing in medicine uh, that, can go, that can go correctly. Uh, so you are not really uh, subject to informed consent, Jana, and neither was anybody else um, who signed these things. You have no idea what's in the shot. I mean, how can you Absolutely. have informed consent when nobody even told you what was in the dang thing? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I mean, they also did not tell. They also did not tell you this is experimental. Right. 
Co- correct. And this this won't. It, then you really it begs the question: How do they even still have an ongoing EUA? If you read the language required for any particular treatment to receive emergency use authorization, an EUA, number one, it, you have to have a reasonable suspicion that it will call, that it will be effective at preventing preventing the illness that you are trying to to prevent and number two has to be more than 50 percent effective at doing that and number three there cannot be other available treatments right all three of those things are, are, are not true number one you know it's not effective number two it's nowhere near 50 percent effective it had fallen into the teens in terms of efficacy within a matter of months of the original launch and number three we have an entire cocktail of medications that we know are effective in treating people who become significantly ill with covid so on what basis do they possibly continue to say that we these shots, I don't even call them vaccines, that these shots can continue to have an EUA. It's absolute fraud. And so when it comes to the question, Jana, about whether or not lawsuits will happen, they cannot happen currently under yep. the you know the vaccine protection act that was passed in in 1986 these these uh, drug companies have absolute immunity um, even if this thing becomes FDA approved they have a hundred percent immunity from any liability up to but not beyond the time that fraud is proven if we are able to prove that these vaccine manufacturers in conjunction with the FDA committed fraud because they had access to information that they did not release. As an example, we know that despite what you were told and despite what is to this day on the CDC's website regarding these vaccines, it says specifically, the mRNA does not stay in your body for more than a few days. Your body breaks it down and eliminates it, quote unquote. They had studies, they knew months before this thing was launched that the mRNA actually stays in your body for months. Secondly, we were told that the mRNA stays where it's injected in your arm. They knew well before the vaccines were launched on the public, and we have Pfizer's own study showing it, that it went far and wide within hours of injection, within six hours, ended up in almost every major organ system. Concerningly, 11% of it, 11% of the mRNA ended up in the reproductive organs, specifically the testes and the ovaries. That's fraud if they had that information and did not disclose that to the public. Wow. Wow. And I'm not aware, oh my goodness. We're, we're both sitting there shocked, doctor. <laughs> I do. I don't think, though, that people's employers oh would be protected. So you may not be able to sue Pfizer or Moderna, but and I'm not suggesting that people do that. I, I just am. won't be surprised <laughs> if that happens because, yeah, you had employers telling you, you have to get it. And you, yes, well, I, I'll tell you if you and, and by the way, for anyone who is questioning this, I invite you to go to the website that I'm associated with, which is earlycovidcare.org. Um, it, there is a huge library of articles there, um, all of the research, uh, they, hundreds and hundreds of studies, for example, on the fallacy of wearing face masks to stop the spread of respiratory viruses, hundreds of studies on the adverse events that we're seeing from the vaccines, and on and on. I also would encourage you to read um, 
Steve Kirsch's uh, Substack. He's got a um, a great Substack article that came out. Um, it's a real barn burner uh, called "The uh, Safe and Effective Narrative Is Falling Apart." Um, if you don't know who Steve Kirsch is, he's an entrepreneur and an investigative reporter now. He had, but that article he lays out the twenty five and. Cites references every single study that I'm talking about, every single fact that I'm talking about. If you want, this is not Kelly Victory's opinion. I am reporting to you inconvenient facts, perhaps uncomfortable truths, um, but they are all backed up by peer-reviewed studies. We have that Pfizer report that showed that well before these vaccines even had their EUA, that they knew as an example, single example of this fraud, that the mRNA traveled far and wide within six hours of injection and ended up in the colon, the lungs, the heart, uh, the liver, the spleen, and as I said, alarmingly, the reproductive organs. Now we know that sperm counts are way down in men who have been vaccinated. We are seeing birth rates drop precipitously around the globe. In some places like Taiwan, the birth rate is down 26%. Wow. Okay. They, they, these things, this is cataclysmic. And the FDA, the CDC, they are refusing to investigate these. We know that the numbers, for example, reported by life insurance companies uh, in the United States, that there is a 40% increase in all-cause mortality in people between the ages of 18 and 49. Uh, life insurance companies are, you know, doing, you know, having a fit because they can't pay out for all of these excess deaths. These are not COVID-related deaths. We just had a huge study come out of Israel yesterday, over 500,000 population-based study of over 500,000 people who had COVID showing that there is no increase in myocarditis and pericarditis in people who had COVID and recovered. So all these people who are telling you that the athletes who are dropping dead, performers dropping on the, the stage, you know, people unexpectedly dying in their sleep, that, they, that these are people who are dying of myocardial, you know, cardiac issues related to COVID, that isn't the case. This huge Israeli study found no increase in cardiac issues in people who had recovered from COVID. These are cardiac issues related to people who've been vaccinated. Wow. You guys, I would I would recommend to our listeners and tell tell your friends, tell your family, do the research. It's harder to find because I do believe that there are people that are making they're scrubbing the internet right, and they make it harder to find. Stuff, right. But you can go to earlycovidcare.org. Find places where you can educate yourself with all of the information before you make any decisions about whether you want to still get vaccines. At, We've been doing this for years and we've gotten by just fine. And suddenly now uh, a lot of information is being quelled and that's not okay. And Dr. Victor- and as I said, if you want, if you want the great, you know, this, uh, I'm not just, you know, tooting my own horn. If you don't want to go to my website, go and read Steve Kirsch's newsletter, his Substack that was posted uh, on the 7th of July entitled the safe and effective narrative is falling apart. It is a barn burner. It gives his, you know, 25 leading indicators that the momentum is moving in our favor and that we are big. And he cites and links to all of these studies that I'm talking about. Uh, this is happening not just in the United States. 
this is around the globe. We are seeing this massive increase in all-cause deaths, falling birth rates, evidence of increases in cancers, blood clots, uh, cardiac issues, and on and on. This is a real problem. Even people who had been pro-vaccine in the past are finally starting to see that this is happening worldwide. Um, and unfortunately, we cannot count on our own CDC and FDA to investigate this because, frankly, the ramifications are just overwhelming. And let me just say, doctor, that I appreciate you doing what you're doing is getting that information out there because uh, Jana forwarded me, I think, I don't know if it was Kirsch's thing or the thing or just before that, but she forwarded it to me. And I shared it with at least a handful of friends. Something that you posted on um, uh, Getter. Yes. I'm I'm not on Getter yet. Uh, But something you posted there. And I'm doing my part. I mean, you're doing your part to spread it. I'm doing my part to spread it to the people that I know will listen. And I even said when I read it, because I read through it, and it got into the weeds a little bit. But I I even told my friends, look, it gets into the weeds a little bit. But at least this is some more information that you can have to make a better decision and to help your families. This is the one talking about the the new vaccine. Well, the 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 what we were just talking about with the um the sh- the shot that the FDA isn't going to Eh, it's fine. We don't need to have a study. Right. We don't need to have a study. Yeah. We don't need. Yeah. No yeah. yeah. It, it's 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 remarkable. Uh, and they have a, they approved these shots for kids just you know a week or two ago. Now for children under the age of five, so five down to six months old, on the basis of essentially zero data. Right. I mean, they, they had a handful of kids. They used parameters that that were absolutely useless. They said, "See, these kids mounted an antibody response." I'm saying, right, an antibody response that's 100% useless. So, I mean, it, it, absolutely, the parameters they use it is unconscionable what they are what they are oh, doing. Yes. It is full out fraud. I'm going to post, but Mark and I will make sure that we put all of this information on our page so that all of you can access it. Is it Steve Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H or E-R-S-C-H or do you know? I'm sorry. It's, it's, let me make sure I've got it right. It's K-I-R-S-C-H. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. And- yep. Steve Kirsch and it, and it's his Substack. Uh, he is, a, he's really been on top of this from the beginning and fortunately has a you know, a significant platform to get the information out because he's not a physician. Um, you know, he's been able to post this stuff without getting quite as lambasted uh, as I have. You know, I spend half my time, um, you know, defending myself against slings and arrows. People post unbelievably um, uh, heinous stuff about me uh, and, you know, have tried to, you know, claim that, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for killing people right. and on and on and on. Uh, you, you know that um, you know there are a handful of us out there: D- yes. Dr. Peter McCullough, Harvey Reich, you know uh, Robert Malone, Dr. Zelenko, rest in peace. Yeah, Dr. Dr. Zelenko, um, good good friend and colleague who really was on the front of this from the beginning, and yes. we will miss him. Yes. Uh, now I got a question for you. Can we talk just quickly about the monkey in the room? <laughs> <laughs> monkey Wait, fuck. Yes, why do you look you know, at me we, when you say monkey you, in the room? You need a new, you know, when, when people have stopped, you know, stopped responding to the sky is falling, you need to come up with a <sighs> new gosh, one. That's um, sure how it feels. 
Yeah, well, this is, you know, here's what we know about monkeypox. First of all, monkeypox is not a new virus. There's nothing novel about it. It was identified first as a novel virus in 1958 uh, and subsequently identified in uh, humans in the 1970s. It's been uh, relatively um, common in since the 1980s in certain areas of the world, primarily sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, it's of the same family of virus as smallpox. It's the orthopox virus, um, but very, very different from smallpox in that it causes um, really quite mild disease in the vast majority of people, primarily things like fever, muscle aches, uh, swollen lymph nodes, that sort of thing. It is completely different from COVID in that it is not a respiratory virus. It is only um, transmitted by direct physical contact. In other words, you can stand two inches from somebody and breathe into their face. And if they have monkeypox, you are not going to get it. Wow. Uh, so I've heard sexually transmitted. So then it isn't just by by intercourse, you could like make out with somebody or something like that and get it. Is that? Yes. Okay. Yes, you could. Okay. Exactly. If you have direct contact with the lesions, you can spread it. Um, it, it has been, it has been, it has exactly, it is. So it has been largely um, sexually transmitted and frankly, not just sexually transmitted, but largely amongst um, homosexual men or men having sex with other men. Um, that's, I'm not saying that's the only way to get, but that's yeah. been the primary, uh, way in which it has been spread. Okay. Um, so this is really much ado about nothing. And the idea that people are talking about reinstituting mask mandates, quote, because of monkeypox, I'm thinking, well, it all depends on where you intend to put your face, but uh, a face mask isn't, isn't likely to, uh, protect you from monkeypox otherwise. Oh, you know, when you talk about the fear that they're doing this fear, trying to, more, what, what we a- all also referred to it's as endless. fear porn. Last night, I kid you not, I watched two LA uh, nightly news broadcasts. Last night, our CBS LA actually said, uh, had their headline, uh, monkeypox has doubled in LA County. Yeah, you know what it has doubled to? 54. There's 54 yeah. people. But, but that was not the headline. The headline was that it has doubled. And I did the math. And according to... Uh, you know, doing a quick Google search and everything, there are 10.04 million people in LA County. So that comes down to a 0.0005% of the population. Lock everybody up. That's right. Let's put on masks (laughs) that aren't going to work, but this is stupid. No, and if you truly, if you are really, really just fixated on being terrified about something, um, let me suggest uh, drug-resistant tuberculosis. That would be a good choice for you or something. Um, Monkeypox, of all things, not the thing that you should be running or scared of. Um, Run scared now, of the CDC and the FDA because well, something's yeah, going you. wrong. Yeah, it, <laughs> Well, and, and frankly, of the of the amount of fraud that's happening with these institutions, Jana, I will tell you, it, it is absolutely irrefutable by anyone who's got a brain that this virus, COVID, came from a laboratory. It was man-manipulated. There's no question about that. Uh, it did not come from a wet market. It came from a lab, and it 
came, it appears, from a lab that was funded by U.S. taxpayer dollars. Uh, we stopped gain-of-function research in the United States. It's one of the only things I agreed with President Obama about, and it was under his, um, his leadership that we stopped. We put a moratorium on gain-of-function research in the United States because it was so risky. The idea of taking viruses and essentially weaponizing them, making them more virulent, more severe, more capable of being transmitted to humans, was deemed to be risky business, and I agreed with that. Rather than stop, it was under Anthony Fauci's direction. They simply moved that gain-of-function research from the United States over to a lab in Wuhan and funded U.S. taxpayer dollars through this shill corporation, EcoHealth Alliance, that Peter Dayzak was running, they funneled money to Peter Dayzak, and Peter Dayzak funded the Wuhan lab, and they continued gain-of-function research. And that is where the COVID virus came from. Whether it was purposefully transmitted, you know, let out of the lab, or it was just abject incompetence, I cannot say with certainty. But I sure as heck can tell you this was a man-made uh, virus, and it was funded by your tax dollars. That in and of itself is something that people should be held accountable for. Well, so I don't trust, you know, I don't trust the FDA. I don't trust what they would do with monkeypox. I don't trust anything now. So I, I'm not making light of a new infection, because I wouldn't put it past them a bit to, to launch something else. And that's why we have you on the show. And we're so glad to have you on. Thank you very much, Dr. Victory, for all the great information. And It's been fantastic. And we hope to have you on sometime really soon because it's been way too long since we had you on the last time. Thank you Sounds so good. much. Talk soon, you guys. Wow, what a phone call. Once again, we're so glad to have Dr. Kelly Victory on. Informative, as always. Learned a lot, crammed a lot in there, even talking about <laughs> monkeypox there yes, at the end. exactly. Which is great. Wow. You know, I got, I got to say, and I didn't want to take up her time with this, but it's so great to hear her speak about the facts and everything. But, you know, recently I was actually, once again, put in Facebook jail for presenting facts about COVID. That's why I asked her specifically uh, about uh, COVID being, um, or I'm sorry, the vaccines, and I use air quotes when I say vaccines, being experiment still to this mm -hmm. day, to this day, it's still experimental. Yeah. And I, and that's one of the, and, and there's no liability for the government, no liability right. for, nope. these are the things that I stated on a post and I on Facebook and I got banned for three days. And you know, let let's uh, we'll talk about that just just briefly. So there was a little bit of a conversation going on with you and a, and a friend, and 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 they disagree on things, and that's okay because they're still friends, right? Which is great. But um, there is a lot. Of, there is this cancel culture, and people are being censored. And you were censored, and you did not post anything that would threaten anybody's life. No. And unless somebody's a moron. Uh, for example, people that are like, the president told people to inject bleach. Well, first of all, he didn't. Right. It's not what he said. However, if there are people out there that for some reason interpreted that into, you know, that stop, stop it, it's, you guys. It's ridiculous. And so for many years, most of us have been able to read and have access to all kinds of information and then decide what made the most sense for us and our family. Right. Suddenly there are people that don't want that. They only want you to have one truth, right. not all of the information so that you can decide what is the truth. Unbelievable. And that is not okay. Wow. 
So you guys, uh, we will post the information. You can go to earlycovidcare.org. That's earlycovidcare.org. We'll post that on our Facebook page. At Facebook. <laughs> I can't get this right. Hold on. Yeah, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Let's snack a little. Or you can call our dedicated listener line. If you have any questions you want us to pose to Dr. Victory for the next time we have on, call us on our listener line. Leave a message with any feedback. 909-572-0278. I'll also post the information for Steve Kirsch. Dr. Kelly talked about him at stevekirsch.com. And I'm looking at the page right now. There's all kinds of information here. It says he's the executive director of Vaccine Safety Research Foundation. There's a good place to start. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of information out there. You just have to find out where it. And do it. it. And be sure to share it when you get it. And come on back. <laughs>